0: Ian, come here, Madame Romani said sternly. Ian entered the room. Faliero and Gustav flanked Romani, standing at either side of her chair, and Sambava stood off to one side, but Michelle was absent. The poison in Faliero's gaze suddenly put him on alert. Uh Uh-oh, something was afoot here. The magician looked like a wolf licking its chops. Romani sighed and tapped her teeth and thought for a moment, and then said abruptly, We have a traitor in our midst. A traitor? Ian involuntarily looked at Feliero. Who? Ian asked. We don't know, Gustav answered. But it is one of us. That much is certain. Where's Max? Ian asked suddenly. He was not invited. For now, we wish to speak with you alone, Romani replied. I see, Ian replied nervously. Oh crap, this wasn't good. So how do you know that there is a traitor? Vladim and Vanya, Gustav said. They were the first clue that our defenses had been penetrated. Someone told those two children where the house was and how it was to be found. That boy they told us about. They learned of it back in the nest. Ian's eyes flicked up to Faliero. The magician glared right back, his stark Shakespearean black beard making him seem even more menacing in the candlelight. Faliero saw the accusation in Ian's eyes. The magician's return gaze clearly said that he didn't like it. That's not conclusive. That boy might actually be on our side. We just don't know him yet. Maybe there's not a traitor, Ian suggested quickly, trying to recover. Maybe... Sambava waved him silent. Last night, I discovered someone walking in the corridors of the house. This person saw me and fled. I gave chase. They made their way to the library and disappeared into a book. But that's supposed to be impossible, Ian said. "'I I thought all books in the house had that gold-metal collar thingy on them, you know, uh, a book guard.' "'Yes, that is true,' Sambhava rumbled. "'But it seems that a new book was recently added to our library, without our knowledge. This book.' He held it up. It appeared to have a golden-metal collar around its binding like the other books, to prevent it from springing open with a surprise visitor. "'Now watch.' Sambhava shifted his grip so that he held the book hanging by its spine.' To Ian's surprise, the book opened freely. "'Bloody hell,' Ian breathed. "'It's a sham book, God!' "'Yes,' Sambhava said. "'At first I believed that it had simply broken with age, "'but the more I examined the craftsmanship of the binding, "'it became clear that it was intentionally designed to deceive. "'Look!' Sambhava showed him the corner. "'What was usually a reinforced interlocking joint "'was curiously unsecured. "'There were no bolts or even bolt holes "'drilled through the locking mechanism.' If the guard had decayed with age, the remnants of such things would have certainly been there. Sambaba was right. This book guard was meant only to appear to lock the book. "'Our visitor arrived and departed using this book,' Sambaba concluded. "'Well, what do they want?' Ian asked. "'Any idea?' Sambaba shook his head. "'I believe I found him not long after he arrived. Whatever his intent was, I do not think that he had sufficient time to execute it. So his mission remains a mystery.' He may have been here to throttle us in our sleep. We are very lucky in that regard, at least. Ian eyed Gustav and Romani. But that's not the point, is it? You're wondering how this book could have gotten into the library in the first place. Romani nodded. One of us placed this infernal book in the library. No one else has been inside of the house. There is simply no other explanation. I see, Ian nodded. His heart skipped a beat as a thought occurred to him. Did they think he was the traitor? Romani sighed and regarded him heavily. We have examined the interior contents of this book. To see not only where its portals go, but what the pages say. We have learned a few things, but nothing very useful. Our visitor seems to have hopped through a few intermediary books to mask his origin point. But that is not what disturbs me most. Ian, do you remember Marvin Sparkle? Ian's heart crowded with newborn dread. He only nodded. Mr. Sparkle and I met again briefly last evening. He told me that he recently discovered that the very new baron he has been hunting is now going by the name of Max Quick. Ian's heart pounded like a jackhammer. Did you? he gasped. No, Romani replied, waving her hand. I did not tell Mr. Sparkle anything. Not yet. I wanted to speak with you first. Listen, Max is not the traitor, Ian said quickly. He did not put that book in the library. You can't tell Sparkle where he is. I don't know why that man is trying to kill Max, but he's making a big mistake. Romani, Gustav, and Felliero all reacted, shifting uncomfortably. How did you know Mr. Sparkle was trying to kill Max? Romani asked pointedly. I did not say that. Ian's eyes bounced from Gustav to Romani to Subbava. Tell the truth, Ian, Gustav warned. Ian gulped. Max, he ran into Sparkle. Max told me he saw Sparkle trying to kill his younger self. He, I, I mean, the older Max stopped him. When was it These Felliero hissed. I don't know, a, a couple weeks ago, I think, Ian replied. And he did not tell us, Faliero growled. No, Ian replied. Max knows that Sparkle is friends with Madame Romani. I told him about your meeting at Grand Central. That's when we figured out it was the same guy. Ian looked around the room, feeling like he was going mad. Look, you all have to understand something. Max has no idea why Sparkle is trying to kill him. He even thought that the guy was a bloody Nuberian at first. Romani shook her head and then laughed softly. Huh. He is not Nuberian. He is a man. He comes from a tribe that dwells deep in the heart of Africa, from a land that used to be called the Abzu in antiquity. In that jungle is a remote mountain guarded by a deadly sentinel. The sentinel, it is said, is a great ape-man that shoots beams of red fire from his eyes at any who dare to approach. Well, anyway, as a young man, Marvin dared. He tells me that he discovered that the sentinel is really a machine that only looks like an ape. But in any case, he eluded the sentinel entered the mountain and learned its secrets. The Abzu, Ian whispered. The name was familiar from Enki's tale. It was a deserted New outpost, wasn't it? Ramani nodded. Yes. In fact, it was the very place where Enki and Ninti worked for centuries, long ago. This very mountain was the jungle laboratory. Okay, so what does this have to do with Max? Marvin learned the terrible secret inside the mountain. There was a Nubarian, an eternal boy here on Earth, who would one day set a horrible chain of events into motion. So Marvin set out to find this boy and kill him for the sake of the world. For years, he chased the child throughout Europe and Africa. And this boy was Max. Yeah, when well, old Sparkling Marvin almost succeeded in Hamburg, He had said, "'Stuck Max in the belly and good. Almost killed him.'" Romani nodded. "'Marvin now believes that this chain of events is almost complete. "'According to him, Max is here to complete the machine. "'That is his purpose.'" "'Bloody hell, you know that's not true!' Ian exploded. "'Max is here to stop the machine!' Ian's eyes danced from face to face. "'Oh, come on!' he shouted. "'You can't seriously think that Max is the traitor!' And the why are not? Uh, Faliero sneered. And uh, Mr. Sparkle seems to think so. What did he say about Max? Ian demanded of Romani, ignoring Faliero. What exactly did Sparkle find out inside of the magical mountain? The gypsy held up her hand. It was uh, apparently an intense experience for Marvin. The mountain had other defenses. Uh, he was tortured for a time. He will not tell of it directly. "'Oh, that's bloody convenient,' he enraged. "'So that's why—' "'We are talking to you, yes, that is right!' Romani shouted back. "'We have not alerted Mr. Sparkle to Max's presence. "'We are talking with you first. "'Have patience, Master Keating. "'Have a care. "'Or have you forgotten the lesson of your ring so quickly?' "'At that, Ian started and closed his mouth. "'What do we do now?' Gustav asked Romani. "'She let out a heavy sigh. Pfft, "'The house has been compromised.' We must burn it and leave, immediately, before we are attacked in force. And the traitor? Sambava asked. It is one of us, Romani replied. Someone here is in league with the Nuberian nest. Ian's eyes flicked around the room. In his mind, there was no chance it was Romani. Neither was it Sambava or Gustav. He figured that it was probably Felliero, but in a way, he didn't like that theory either. Feliero was too obvious, too blatant. A real spy would be more agreeable, hide better, not be such a dink. But what about Michelle? Could it possibly be Michelle? His mind protested. Probably not. After all, she'd save Max from Marvin Sparkle. If she'd truly been in league with the Nuberians, it'd have been simple to kill Max right there. Presto, no more threat to the machine from Max. Ian threw up his hands inside of his mind. That left Gustav, Romani, and Sabava. "'You don't believe that it's Max, do you?' Ian asked Romani. She looked him straight in the eye. "'I will be completely honest with you. Max is the best candidate. Nothing like this has ever happened in the years the five of us have been together. But now, here we are.' Ian sagged. "'You yourself told us that Max sometimes doubted himself,' Gustav said softly. "'When you told the tale of the pocket, he believed that he may have another personality hidden inside of himself.' Yeah, but he didn't. That got proved at the pyramid of the arches. Perhaps, Gustav replied. Or perhaps his personality may have simply been more insidious. It may have somehow guessed that there was no real danger and remained below the surface, biding its time, until now. Ian shook his head. No, it's somebody else. Romani nodded. That is possible. I must admit that it is. Well, how do we find out, Ian asked. We don't, Zambava replied. We can't. The only thing we can do is split up, scatter, so that the traitor can no longer endanger all of us at once. Ian nodded appreciatively. That is the only answer, isn't it? But then there is a new problem, Gustav said. Yes, Faliero agreed. How do we then communicate? We choose someone, Gustav replied. One of us to manage the rest. Someone who knows where everyone else is but does not reveal this information to the others. Ah, so instead of picking the traitor, Ian mused, we pick someone above suspicion. He thought for a moment and then said, Criminy, we better pick the right person. If we get it wrong, we're even more vulnerable. The traitor would be able to pick us off one at a time. Gustav nodded. True, but the odds are better this way. It is the logical solution. If we try to find the traitor, we have only a one in seven chance of guessing correctly. But it is six to seven we don't select the traitor so we altered the math to work in our favor. Ian nodded. It's got to be you, madame, he said, addressing Romani. You're the most trustworthy one here. I think everyone will agree. Gustav and Faliero nodded at once. Yes, Gustav said. That is what I believe as well. Of course, Ian thought. If I were trying to do us in, Romani's position as an assumed leader would serve best as cover. Could she be the traitor after all? but he pushed the thought away. It was Faliero, it had to be. And Sambava nodded as well. I agree, madame. Romani nodded. Very well. I appreciate all of your trust. She thought for a second and then said, I will receive you one at a time in my room. You will tell me where I can find you. And then, one by one, you will depart. One thing, Ian said, I'm going to go with Max. I know he's clean, so I'm going to bet on it. "'Any objections?' "'No one raised any.' "'Romani nodded. "'As you wish.' "'Later, the House of the Hidden Hand "'was set to flame. "'Faliero and Gustav had left immediately. "'Michel moved Vadim and Vanya "'to a new location and joined them. Sambaba also disappeared. "'When Max was told about the traitor "'and that many in the house suspected him, "'he only cursed and said, "'Faliero, it's got to be Faliero.' "'And then he went directly to the Peking.' Romani stood watch as the house burned down. She guided the flames such that they did not catch on adjoining buildings, and so that they did their job completely and utterly. Nothing could be left to chance. Ian watched the house engulfed in gouts of orange and black smoke by Romani's side. You must be sad, Ian said to her, you know, to see your house burn down and all. Romani smiled. I am gypsy, Ian. I am quite used to leaving behind my home or even destroying it on a moment's notice. Ian nodded. "'Well, uh, what about the books, you know, and the other stuff?' He looked down at the cold emerald fused to his finger. "'The books I am burning. We will either succeed in reading the world of the machine, and we will therefore have no more need of books, or we will fail, and I will then want to leave nothing behind for the Newberians to use. As for the other stuff, as you put it, it was all put inside of one of the very books I am burning.' it will not be found. Ian nodded. There was a commotion down the street as several horse-drawn carriages approached, clanging a bell. It was the fire brigade. Go, Romani said, smiling. I will stay here and finish this. I know where to find you. The Peking, Ian said. It's a yellow ship down on... Yes, yes, I know. Now go, Romani repeated, smiling and waving her hand. You've been listening to Max Quick, Book 2, The Two Travelers, by Mark Jeffrey, read by the author. Produced by Mark Jeffrey in association with PatioBooks.com. For more information on this patio book, please visit www.maxquickseries.com. The print version of both The Pocket and the Pendant, Max Quick Book 1, and The Two Travelers, Max Quick Book 2, are available at lulu.com in paperback format, PDF format, and hardcover.